0: Welcome back to another episode of the Max Term Podcast. Kyle Stitch here alongside James Finch. And today we're going to look at Frank Saravoli's recently published trade targets, his top 20 names to watch 100 days uh, away from the trade deadline. We appreciate you listening to this podcast. We're available on all major platforms that you might consume a podcast on. Appreciate you subscribing, giving us a follow on Twitter, now X I guess. Uh, at max term pod we also tweet a lot at afp analytics that's where we tr- tweet a lot of our analysis and stuff like that especially as it comes to signings and everything our personal accounts can easily be found from the at afp analytics handle all accounts including personal and the afp analytics and max term Podcast are also available on blue sky we appreciate you follow- giving us a follow over there as well haven't put a lot of content up but at some point we probably will actually start to utilize that platform and uh any ads anything like that are not necessarily products that we're working with endorsing will will be very overt if we are working with anyone or anything like that uh and finally no we're going based on Frank Saravalli's trade board our own knowledge no inside information for this episode or anything like that so our opinions are informed opinions i guess you could say and with that frank saravalli released his Top twenty names trade target board, if you will. Hundred days to the deadline, and I think our plan will just be to run through—probably well, not run through, but talk through—names one through twenty. Ironically, one was very recently just traded. We'll get there in a minute, and we'll start right at the top. Talk about player. Talk about maybe some team fits. What we think the kind of the current team should do. Who who would make sense to acquire this player as well so number one on his board Elias Lindholm center Calgary Flames he will be a pending unrestricted free agent his cap hit right now well his cap hit for this season I should say 4.85 million so nothing absurd but also a lot of teams that are tight are going to have a level of difficulty fitting that without retaining any salary
1: Yeah, um, and there's always the option of kind of taking on a contract, and in this case it probably wouldn't have to be a huge one. So taking a player, not making a whole lot back in a trade to make it fit. 4.85, I I would guess it's not the amount that a team takes on. It's most likely going to include some salary retention in a trade. But, yeah, like you said, I mean, we – We can see it right here. Lindholm is the number one trade target, at least as of right now, and part of that is because he's a high-level, high-performance center. The first team that pops into my head that I think should be all over this, and this isn't a new opinion, we've talked about it over the offseason, Boston Bruins.
0: Yeah, that's exactly who I was going to kind of say as my first team as well. The Boston Bruins, ideally, like they're they're off to a really good start. Um, we think that there could be a level of regression. Actually, we've kind of seen that the past week. Uh, we talk about regression and everything, Who which teams we bought into their early season starts sold uh, in our kind of Black Friday special that was that was recently uh, released. So also encourage you to listen back to that one. But. I agree. Elias Lindholm and the Boston Bruins makes a ton of sense. The issue is Boston would have to probably send someone who is a contributor, if you will, out. Maybe they can move one of their defensemen and kind of shift around there. I guess Matt Grizzlick's probably the easiest name, maybe not the most ideal, but probably the easiest to, I guess, start with talking about.
1: Yeah, I think looking at the roster, it most likely does come from the blue line. I I think Lindholm would be an improvement on a lot of the forwards on the Bruins, but with the need at forward and specifically center, if you subtract a larger salary from the forward group, you're not really netting as much as you would like to. On the blue line, like definitely, I could see them trying to pawn off Derek Forbert on a team. That would really kind of be where it has to come from at this point in the season, unless there's an injury we don't know about. Or, I mean, we're, we're talking about this right now, but that doesn't mean a trade's going to happen right now. This could happen in a month, two months even. So, like, we... There's a lot unknown. A lot of things can happen before a trade actually goes down. But, yeah, they either need to send someone back or, honestly, someone who is fairly important to the team is going to have to be hurt for this trade to work out. So I I had brought up Matt
0: Grizzly strictly because he's the one without any sort of trade protection, so they can send him wherever he wants or wherever they want, not wherever he wants. Yeah. Derek Forbert has a level of trade protection it looks like he has an eight um I guess only a three team no trade list at this point so I think that means he can name three teams he can't be traded to so I don't I don't know if the Calgary Flames would be one of those teams or not it feels like there's I can name three more that I put on my list before Calgary but at the same point Maybe maybe moving cross-country is not maybe the desired thing here, so maybe it is three west coast or out west teams anyways.
1: Well, I was going to say, maybe if you don't want to go to western Canada, there's your three teams. So that, not to say that's the case here. We have no idea. But in theory, they could be on there. But, yeah, I agree. I would probably have a handful or two of other teams I'd put on there first. Grieslick is the most obvious as far as being able to trade him for sure
0: I have one other roster player name from the Bruins before I give you another team as well that I that I kind of like for Lindholm Trent Frederick I know I know we don't want necessarily subtract forwards we want to kind of up improve upgrade but if you're looking at a forward it's him or Jake DeBrosque but DeBrusque is a UFA at the end of this year he's he's free to sign anywhere so Calgary I don't know if they would be real interested in doing that unless they could kind of f- involve a third team in this Trent Fredericks has this year next year then would be an unrestricted free agent a UFA who could walk and talk to anyone but at the same point Calgary could also get an extension done this summer with him he could be the type of player that Calgary kind of desires to a little bit more grit, a little bit more versatile down the lineup. I don't know. I'm just looking at the forwards. I agree with you. There aren't many names, but to me, he's the one that stands out just a little bit.
1: Yeah, the thing I would say there, you kind of mentioned kind of, I guess, finding that grit, that type of player for Calgary. Boston went into the season with a certain amount of that in their lineup, and it is not currently at the same amount. And it probably won't be, I'm assuming, um, with the Lucic situation that's going on. I assume he won't be back. I I don't know that, though. Um, Trent Frederick, to me, is the type of player you could get rid of. I don't know if Boston would want to do that themselves. They might see him as kind of part of their culture at this point. Although the, the other thing I'll say, you, you mentioned DeBrusque. Once we start getting to that level of player in the lineup, I can see Boston just kind of looking elsewhere if they have to move someone like that. He's a top-six winger for them, and it, you you start to really not see enough of a positive in making a deal. You, you mentioned you have another team for Lindholm
0: I do have a second team I like real quickly for Boston we we kind of mentioned they don't have cap space they're projected to right now because they're in using long-term injured reserve have seven hundred twelve thousand five hundred in space at the deadline that's according to cap friendly so Again, they can't fit Lindholm. They can't fit him in even if Calgary were to retain 50%. My other team, and I think I even back in the summer we did kind of a fun episode where we like trade targets, Pittsburgh Penguins. I I still like that idea for Elias Lindholm. I mean, you can roll out one of Crosby, Malkin, or Lindholm on the ice almost at all times or put them together and and just – you know, a more potent lineup. I really like that fit. And Pittsburgh's a team that really should be doing everything they can to add to their lineup.
1: Yeah, so look, looking at their lineup, they've kind of got some names in there that are decent depth guys, but not necessarily, not anyone you would say is a definite regular. Um, Harkins... I'd say Matt Nieto to an extent. Possibly a Drew O'Connor. These are fine guys to have in your bottom six, but they've got some space uh, at the upper half of their uh, forward lines here. Uh, Henestrosa's kind of been in there a little bit. They definitely have the space in the lineup. It would be making the money work here. But I I would say... I I would almost like the idea of them just strengthening down the middle. Lars Eller, Noel Achari, Jeff Carter, they're all kind of playing a third- or fourth-line role down the middle, and I I think pushing those guys a little bit lower. You you could potentially run three lines centered by Crosby, Malkin, and and Lindholm, and that most teams are going to have trouble matching up with in the playoffs. Yeah, so Pittsburgh salary
0: cap-wise, right now, they were recording this, they are using long-term injury reserve with Ricard Raquel, and if, I mean, that's a big if, if he were to stay on basically long-term injury reserve until the end of the season, no salary cap in the playoffs they would have the ability to add Lindholm at 50% salary retained. They don't quite need the 50, but they have $2.75 million in cap space right now, and that would be the same at the deadline because it's long-term injured reserve space. Is, is it realistic to expect? I don't think Raquel's injury is going to keep him out until the playoffs. Could someone else end up on long-term injured reserve? Sure, but we're kind of talking the exact same thing as we did with the Bruins in that they probably have to move someone out, which probably makes this a little bit tougher unless they can get Jeff. I guess Jeff Carter's the obvious name, but I don't know how easy that's going to be to, to accomplish.
1: Yeah. um, I quickly Googled Ricard Raquel. Pretty much seeing undisclosed upper body injury, so that's fairly normal for the NHL. I did see in an article from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette that uh, it was mentioned he's out longer term. Uh, Again, we don't know what that means. That could mean he's back by the deadline because that's a bit of a ways away, but maybe it is possible he would be out until the playoffs or even further than that. That said... I, I do think Carter would be an obvious one to try and move out. The big factor there is the 35-plus no move. And if I'm him, I'm probably not wanting to move if it means going to a team that isn't contending. So, yeah, it's it could be tough to make a deal happen unless, again, there there are injuries still.
0: I will point out Lars Eller is almost exactly fifty percent of Elias Lindholm's contract. In theory, that could work. I mean, again, you're you're you have no cap space left after that, and you probably have to do like I don't know if I don't know if Calgary's want Lar, wants Lars Eller, and I don't even know if Pittsburgh. I mean, Pittsburgh should want, be okay moving him to add Elias Lindholm, but. I don't know if that's their desired path either.
1: Yeah, and I almost wonder, and I think this is tough to gauge because it's different situation to situation, but when you have a guy who just signed a contract for more than a year, the optics more, not even from a fan standpoint, but just within the room, within the NHL of you just signed a guy to a multi-year contract and now you're trading him. I don't know if that would impact a decision at all there, but it possibly could. And with it being more of a veteran, someone who's 34 has been in the league for a while, he might kind of be given the benefit of the doubt there and he would stay in Pittsburgh. I I don't know. That's more something that in theory could weigh a little bit into the decision-making. That is interesting, though, because in theory that that is an option because ultimately Eller would not be able to block it. it I, I like the team fit enough that it's something to keep an eye on uh, roster-wise where Pittsburgh's at in the, in a, I'll say, weeks leading up to the deadline would be my guess.
0: Let me give two more teams that actually would have the salary cap space that I think would be kind of fun fun here one would be kind of the team that drafted him the Carolina Hurricanes I mean they have a plethora of forwards of good forwards already but he's good enough that you make that work in your lineup I mean if you can add a center of his caliber you you do that
1: yeah so they're probably one of the top teams of you you look at their forward lineup and there isn't necessarily a hole there people get hurt it's I'm gonna say it's going to happen I don't think it's a move they rush into right now but if if Lindholm's still in Calgary and available more towards the deadline deeper into the season it it would make sense like you said you you make that move happen I think they've got a lot of solid players in Carolina but if you wanted to point at a weakness; it could be down the middle. They could use just a little bit more elite talent. Um, although Kakinami is playing fairly decent this year, so it's not quite the same situation as last year. But I, I like Carolina as an option for sure.
0: Okay, let me give two dark horse. I, I know I said I know I said two a minute ago, but another one popped in when I, when I'm looking here. The Buffalo Sabers, if they want to add. Kind of, if they want, if they want to start making a push, they've haven't gotten the level of center play. Casey middlestad has been really good. Tage Thompson's out. Tage Thompson was really good when he was playing, but they haven't gotten enough out of a Dylan Cousins and Peyton Krebs this year that I don't necessarily think it's going to happen. I'm not, and I don't think that he's the player they go for, but. If they're looking to make uh, kind of an aggressive move, that could be interesting, especially if something happens to one of those centers or Dylan Cousins still is not kind of playing at the level he needs to.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I one thing I want to mention with Lindholm is he has a history of playing the wing as well, a bit of a versatile player. So in a situation like Buffalo's, if everyone gets healthy and going at center, In theory, you could argue that Lindholm would possibly fit, especially when you look at kind of where some injuries are happening, where it might be a little thin, and Buffalo is on the wing right now. Some guys will be coming back in the near future, like a Jack Quinn. So the forward need might be lessened a little bit as time goes on this season. But at the same time, they're kind of... At this current moment, they're an injury to a big player away from, I don't want to say hitting the panic button at forward, but it starts to get a bit thin there. Yeah,
0: I I mean, Windholm has wing flexibility, and I think some of the current centers, Dylan Cousins and Casey Middles, that have also played pretty pretty well at wing my final kind of under the radar team when we did the black friday episode we probably wouldn't have been talking about them but we kind of we we bought in we we bought into a level of progress from the nashville predators and i think they would be if they can keep taking steps forward and the wet and other teams in the west start to pull back they would be a fun fit for lindholm and that could be a team that isn't just
1: viewing him as a rental player yeah, so one Nashville has a ton of cap space, at least in comparison to everyone else. There currently for this season, they've got ten and a half to work with. Going not not to go too in depth with Nashville, but looking ahead, they are going to have cap space to work with in the future in, in the near future specifically. This was a team where when you were mentioning different teams for Lindholm I was going to kind of bring them up if you hadn't right now they're kind of at like the 500 level record wise they're still in the hunt uh, for the playoffs not out of reach whatsoever they're a team that you look at overall the team's underlying numbers I would expect I would expect the outcomes of these games for the Predators to start going a little bit more in their favor. More to say that those underlying numbers, I think, paint a good picture about this Predators team, um, both offensively and defensively so far, with the caveat that their goaltending play to start the season was not what we would have expected. Soros did not start strong. You'd think he rebounds over the full year, and if the rest of the team can keep playing the way they are, they're a contender. You look at their forward lineup, there's absolutely space for Lindholm now and long-term. I I would love to see them make that move.
0: Any other teams for Lindholm before we move on to the next name who I don't know how much time we'll spend on because I think it's a lot of the same teams?
1: Yeah. Specifically, I'm going to say no. I I think there are some other teams who, in theory, could be interested. But we'd mostly just be throwing the contenders around. Yeah,
0: maybe Washington Capitals should be mentioned a little bit, given that they don't have—it seems like Nick Backstrom's unfortunately done. So maybe they're a team, but maybe Washington might make a little bit more sense for the next name on the list, Sean Monaghan. And I say that because Washington, like Boston, Pittsburgh, don't have the the cap space. They're they're right up against it already. Well, I guess they they would have more cap space because of the long term injured reserve for Backstrom. So may, maybe they make more sense for Lindholm. But anyways, Sean Monahan next on the list. Again, I think Boston, Pittsburgh are two obvious teams here, especially considering he would be cheaper. Uh, who else? Who else do you got?
1: So he kind of seems like he hasn't had the greatest of luck with injuries. So I wonder if he ends up more with a team that doesn't necessarily have to upgrade, but just kind of has the luxury of doing so. Not to repeat a team, but Carolina, I think, would be like, just from a play style perspective, he fits right in with what Carolina looks for. With how Carolina operates too, I would almost expect them maybe they would lean towards Monahan as the cheaper and cheaper from a salary standpoint and a trade asset standpoint. They might actually lean Monaghan over Lindholm. But at the same time, I I think the biggest, well, other than the level of play, the biggest difference between Lindholm and Monaghan, like you mentioned, it's the salary. Um, So teams that kind of stand out to me that, yes, right now they would have trouble doing it, but depending on injuries, they might be able to make it work, Vegas, Colorado, those are the teams that, especially if they could get Montreal to maybe retain, Monahan, I think, would fit in very well there in kind of that third line role.
0: Yeah, I was looking at those teams. And then I'll also kind of throw out a little bit the Devils and the Florida Panthers. Could be teams that could benefit from adding a veteran kind of versatile player that can kind of fit what they already have, as you said, a player that can fit what they already have but give a level of insurance or marginal upgrades. I think that applies a little bit more to Florida in this situation. I think him in Florida would make a lot of sense to just add another option for them to play in their middle six or even their bottom six and allow them to maybe move like an Anton Lundell even more up the lineup and play him there consistently.
1: Yeah, I think... The, the biggest thing with Monaghan is going to be our team's comfortable relying on him, pretty much. When he's healthy, he is playing a very solid game, but that's the big issue is if he's going to stay healthy. And If you're making a move needing to improve, for sure, or maybe one of your top guys is out hurt and you need a replacement, I think he could do it. But you make that trade, he could get hurt at some point, and then you're kind of back to square one going back into the trade market. It's why I mentioned it, it could be a better fit for those teams that view him as a luxury move, those teams that kind of already have the depth, but he's insurance, like you said.
0: Any other teams for Monaghan before we move on to Chris Tannov at number
1: three on Saravali's big board? I'm. I'll say yes. I would wonder if their season continues to be going well enough especially with a new recent addition. Detroit would be interesting. I think they as a team could still use some depth at forward and I I guess kind of everything I've been saying with Monahan in my opinion I think he could end up going for a little bit cheaper. Um, trade price just because of that injury history so I I could see a team like Detroit who just added Patrick Kane if they don't go all out for a big addition they might sneakily be able to add Monahan into the lineup
0: yeah I I guess I don't hate that idea either I I think my only reservation with Detroit is they kind of have their I know he has a level of wing flexibility but they have kind of two similar centers already that they honestly. Like if if they were gonna if they were gonna swing, I'd rather see them swing for Lindholm than uh than Monahan, but that that's me.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um I I do agree with that for sure. I we'll we'll see what happens. I, I don't they're not a favorite in my opinion for Monaghan, but it's a move that I could see them making based off of the type of forwards they like to have in the lineup so i'm actually
0: gonna so i said chris Tannum's up next let's hit number four which is nikita zadorov who was just traded from calgary to vancouver for third round pick fifth round pick or was it a sixth i i
1: um i believe it's a fifth in the in the upcoming draft 2024
0: yeah so it looks I have so the Vancouver Canucks official announcement was they acquired Nikita Zdorov in exchange for a fifth round pick in the 2024 NHL entry draft which was acquired from Chicago and a third round pick in 2026 might be some conditions attached to that if you're curious about conditions
1: on a fifth round pick go to com. it's a fifth round pick uh, yeah no it, well so it's the condition on that pick is yes it's Going to be a fifth round is just what is the best fifth rounder that Chicago has. Probably going to be Chicago's. Only NHL
0: GMs are going to haggle over, like, the better (laughs) of a fifth round pick. Like, come on, what are we doing here?
1: No, I know. (laughs) But, yeah, so a a fifth and 24, a third and 2026. Overall, that doesn't seem like a whole lot for Zadorov. Looking at the full context of this, though. Zadorov is making a little over four million, I just believe. Under four, just under four. Five. Okay, so that that's fairly significant for a team to add without any salary retained, and I think that's kind of a big part of this. That if people aren't realizing it initially, dig a little deeper here. We already went over Lindholm. We're about to go over Tanov after we finish up this Zdorov, and then there's Noah Hannafin. Three more players that Calgary is going to want to trade. All three probably more valuable than Zdorov. All three of them with a salary that is not going to be easily fit in with a lot of contenders. You're going to want to be able to have the option to retain salary, and you can only retain on three. So, being able to move out Zadorov, getting some assets back and not needing to retain salary really keeps the door wide open for an, I guess easier time navigating the trade market for the Calgary Flames.
0: I think I think that's the perfect way to lay out Zadorov for Vancouver. Fine. Um I I think that was that was a we I, we had jokingly after they trade Anthony Paviliere, I kind of jokingly said, "Well, it's a let's see how they use that cap space." And I think Zadorov is is absolutely fine. That's that's a good use of that cap space. Not going to knock that. I I jokingly said, "Watch them move out Bavillier and then bring in a Rasmus wristline, and then 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 that's not such a good yeah. move." But Zadorov, I think, is absolutely fine. Fits fine in their lineup. I have no problems with it. Gave up a, a not much so. Good, good good, move for Vancouver, and hey, if, if things do go sideways, I'm not necessarily expecting them at this point to not be a playoff team. But if things were to go sideways, there's still enough time to probably flip them again and recoup as much, if not more, later in the closer to the deadline.
1: Possibly, and I, I guess one more thing I want to point out from Calgary's perspective. So if they definitely wanted moves the door without retaining salary, there are six teams capable it, without including Vancouver there there were six teams capable of taking on Zadorov's salary of the six i see two who might be buyers most likely uh Buffalo Sabres and Nashville Predators and let's say they both had interest just for the fun of it let's say they both had interest in Zadorov along with Vancouver that's only three teams to be able to to still get a third and a fifth for Zadorov at this point when not that many people could fit or not many teams could fit that salary. I actually think a third and a fifth is pretty good considering the situation.
0: And I'd argue, I mean, I don't think Buffalo would really have interest in a defenseman at this yeah. point given they've created their own logjam and they have and part of that logjam is similar players to Zadorov. so maybe, maybe Nashville would
1: have made sense. They've have I mean, you could argue whether or not Nashville should improve on certain players, but their defense has been fine, and there isn't a clear spot for a defenseman. They they kind of make much more sense to acquire a forward. So, yeah, so I, I was kind of, I guess, being a little bit generous as far as what the trade market for Zadorov might have been with no salary retained. Yes, there's other teams with long-term injured reserve. I, I I wasn't factoring that in, but to not have to retain any salary a third and a fifth, that's I I think it's not going to be recognized how good of a return that was.
0: Yeah, may, maybe the Arizona Coyotes as well could could be a potential buyer, could be like Again, as you said, we're stretching, and then I think the Capitals would be the only other team who's got enough LTIR long-term injured reserve space to have fit him at the full cap hit. And again, I'm not sure that that's the move that they're making. So, yeah, Calgary might have actually been really smart. Like when I first saw the return, I was I will say I was underwhelmed, but now talking it out, thinking through it a little bit more, it makes a lot of sense, and maybe it's going to be a smart and savvy move because as we said Monahan let's lump the next two together Chris Tanneh, Noah Hannafin are very very similar carrying Tanneh four and a half Hannafin just under five at 4.95 million Tanneh right but a little bit older a little more wear and tear Hannafin left Young will be a unrestricted well both will be unrestricted free agents but Hannafin, if you're acquiring, you're more likely to also want to sign to a long-term contract. Where Tanov, I think you're viewing as a kind of a rental. So defensive needy teams are going to be calling Calgary, and I am I'll throw out the probably the neediest defensive team right now, Toronto Maple Leafs. I I think people would argue that they should go after Tanov. I like the idea of Hannafin for them a lot.
1: Yeah, so Tanov to me is more of the lockdown defenseman type. Hannafin, I think, is at this point a little more well-rounded. Definitely more of an offensive guy than Tanov is. I mean, I, I'm going to say if I'm Toronto, I would pretty much take either of them. Um, I do think I like Hannafin as the Better fit. Main thing with Toronto is they will definitely need salary retained on both of what, regardless of which defenseman it is. I do want to mention just so we have the numbers. So Tanov is making four and a half million, Hannafin is making 4.95 million. At this point in time, Maple Leafs could fit a little over two million going to need some salary retained possibly depending on which defenseman it is might need to send someone out as well um it would be great if they could get rid of ryan reeves or just go back in time and not sign that contract not going to go down that rabbit yeah, hole right we've, we've now we've been but... <laughs> down that rabbit hole
0: almost every episode uh that we've talked yeah. about c- kind of current events recent happenings in the nhl if you will so I will point out, so right now at this moment, they do have that $2.3 million in cap space. That includes, um, so Muzzin, Murray, done for the season, that, that's, yep. that's known. It involves John Klingberg and Timothy Lilligren, who it seems like Klingberg might get stashed on long-term injured reserve for the remainder of the season. Maybe he'll miraculously be healthy for the playoffs, but it seems like there's seems like that's what's the case there timothy lilligan is probably is going to be back at some point 1.4 million so really the cap space that they're probably going to have to work with to acquire anyone is about nine hundred thousand ish so that's not going to fit them with just a salary retained so Someone has to go out, and I think this is. I mean, we we had trouble sending guys out on other teams. Toronto's even tougher to send out because, as you said, Ryan Reeves is the obvious one, but that's going to be near impossible to do. You're not sending out a defense. Well, there's really no defenseman making enough that's worth sending out. Like TJ Brody, sure, but he that's a lateral move, if not a step down, and then forwards. I mean, are you going to send out a Bertuzzi or Domi, maybe well, David Camp?
1: here's the other issue with a lot of their forwards, especially around that salary range that you might look to flip that guy out. They've all got some form of no-trade protection, and it, even the guys that have the modified no-trade, you start to look through, and they're they are pretty much able to block 10 teams, and – Once a list includes 10 teams, Calgary might be on there at this point. Um, There's ways to be creative. You flip them to a different team. I I more just think it's important to mention that is it, it, it gets tougher even when you look at, well, which player should we get rid of? Who would other teams be fine acquiring? The other thing with some of those forwards around that let's say two to three million range that in theory, it would free up the right amount of space. So you, you mentioned David camp. Uh, he's got 2.4 million left on four years. So three more after this season, 2.4 million is not a lot, but to willingly take back a player. I I don't know if I'm, really interested in doing that if I'm Calgary. Especially Calgary probably a team that wants to retool quickly after trading some of these stars. Kaya Yarncroc two point one million the next two years after this season, same type of thing. It making the space to bring in someone at the caliber of a Tanev or a Hannafin, it looks to be really tough for the Maple Leafs.
0: Yeah, I I don't know how that works. I mean I don't they really probably need to add someone e-, e forward or defense and I just don't know how that works. And yes we we've we've hammered them enough on Ryan Reeves, but it it's not just Ryan Reeves. It's yeah. it's the David Camp contract as well. Mm-hmm. I mean Klingberg, we can like Klingberg seems to be a long term injured reserve potentially for the season, so that's that's irrelevant potentially in this discussion. So, I I don't know because we're talking about domi a, I mean, Yarnkark's been playing almost consist relatively consistent top six, if not third line minutes. So, like he's an important contributor. I I don't know how how Toronto does it, and and they're probably the team that needs to most. Looking at other teams, the New Jersey Devils probably should be involved. They, they could use some help on the blue line. They're After loo- losing both Damon Severson and Ryan Graves this offseason, I think, I think it's showing a little bit.
1: Yeah, so they were a team. I, I don't know if it was mentioned that they were in on Zadorov, but they were definitely mentioned as, okay, this team could be a fit for that type of defenseman. Defensive guy. I would think... I mean, uh, if I'm New Jersey, I'm interested in Hannafin or Tanev. I think, in theory, Tanev could fit very well there as far as what they're now missing, like you mentioned. uh, Graves and Severson moving on. That said, Hannafin might be the better overall fit as far as also fitting the offensive game there. I don't think... Let me take a quick look. Maybe, you know, I don't think I really have a preference. Right now, looking at New Jersey's roster, they're going to have Dougie Hamilton, John Marino as kind of their top right shot guys. Luke Hughes, I think, is sometimes playing on that offside. They've got a lot of left shots. Colin Miller's another right shot, and he, I'm not, I'm not not trading for Tanev because I have Miller. And then, kind of looking at the the left side of the defense, you've got Siegenthaler, who is a mainstay in the lineup, defensive guy, Kevin Ball, and then Brendan Smith, who honestly this year he he's actually played a little forward as well. Again, not a player who's keeping me from acquiring a Hannafin or a Tanev. Just looking over the lineup, there's space for either one of those players. They definitely should be in on both of them.
0: I lean I Tanev for the Devils a little bit. Uh, I like the uh, I think the fit and the need is a little bit better with the stay-at-home style. But I also think that a t- whoever acquires Hannafin is going to make a run at signing him, and that might be reflected in the price I think the Devils would be well off to almost go pure rental because they better hope next year Simon Nemich is ready. You don't spend a second overall pick to have him play that many years in the AHL. So this year, fine, playing down another year. But next year, you want to pencil him in your lineup. So if you're if you're bringing in a long-term kind of guy, it's because you're you're kind of a little bit down on Nemec, in, in my opinion. So, obviously, that doesn't have to be the case, but I don't know where you're fitting, like, a Hannafin longer term on this roster. So, I I wing Tana for them just, just strictly kind of this year. I think stylistically he might be what they need, but I think he's also just a fit from an asset management standpoint
1: better. Okay, I, I can get on board with that for sure. Any other teams jumping out to you?
0: I... I want the Edmonton Oilers to be able to do something, but I don't think that's going to happen, at least with these players. So I'm going to say no there. If Boston wanted to change things up a little bit again, we mentioned Grizzly earlier. We mentioned Derek Forber earlier. If they want to shift things around, move some money around, I, I don't know if this is the smartest option for them, but hannafin being having gone to college in the area like maybe he makes sense and is a longer term option going from grizzly to hannafin would definitely be a good upgrade i don't know if long term that fits salary wise but just spitballing there but i i don't know there's a lot of teams that just
1: don't have the space and i guess i'll throw out one more dallas stars dallas stars absolutely would be a fit and i think one, they will be looking to improve their team. They're one of the top contenders. But two, when you look at their lineup, I would assume that they'd be looking to acquire a defenseman Like uh, up front, their forwards. Sure, you can always get some depth, but that's not really their issue or their weakness, I would say. There's definitely space in the lineup to improve their defense. Another thing with them, though, will be making the money work. So right now they really don't have a whole lot of space, so they would need to be sending out a player or two. I'm not really sure who that would be.
0: The one one thing that Dallas has going for them that other teams don't is they're not in long-term injured reserve yet so they're going to accrue basically cap space they're going to be able to take on more salary at the trade deadline than they can yes. today so cap friendly right now has them projected to have two million of salary cap space which getting one of those at 50 percent retained is that's only about five hundred thousand to maybe a million for Hannafin. so that could be a level of just shuffling guys up and down doing some paper transactions until the playoffs like not ideal but it's a little bit more doable i think than yes. saying you have to send a guy out
1: yes I, I think that's an important factor to keep in mind is not a, a team not using the long-term injured reserve is accruing the cab space if they need to start using it that stops so it, it kind of I would like to say everything goes perfectly for Dallas and they don't have to start using it. Um, some older names in their lineup, so I'm not 100% confident that I'd bet on that being the case. But but yes, currently they're in a better spot than a lot of other teams because of that ability to accrue the cap space. Just real quick math yep. with, with the Stars. So I'm looking at kind of who they
0: have in everything, waiver exemptions. Thomas Harley waiver exempt. He's just under nine hundred thousand. So if you want Chris Tannen at fifty percent retained, you can send Harley down until the playoffs, and there's there's your space for Tannen. So it's it's very doable. How, I mean, is is that improving their lineup enough? for the regular season I don't think so because he's one of their better defensemen at this point but if you're looking to make something happen you have and again another name I wouldn't want to send down but you have him and Wyatt Johnson that you can kind of shuttle a little bit on paper or what however if you really desperately want to make one of those guys work
1: yeah I I think it wouldn't even come to that I think they'd be looking at just some other more depth NHL guys like the Sam Steels, the Joel Hanley's that that they would just risk losing one of them on waivers rather than remove Johnston or Harley from their roster but I, I guess the main point here is it's doable for Dallas it's not easy but for a majority of the teams who are going to be buyers, buyers it's not going to be easy another team I want to throw out there and the more I look at their lineup the less I know what they'll choose to do Because in theory, they could make a move for a forward, a defenseman, or I would say definitely be interested in a goalie. Colorado Avalanche. I look at their lineup. They could use a little depth up front, especially in the bottom six. I think their top six is fine, but I guess even there they could improve. The reason they popped into my head for defense is um, with Sam Girard entering the— I'm I'm blanking on the exact name. Players player assistance program. Yes, there's. I I uh, definitely obviously do not know. The seriousness necessarily of the situation, in regard to how long he'll be out. It, he could be out for a month or two. It could be into next season. It's really tough to gauge. The only team that really has an idea of that is probably the colorado avalanche themselves that said what does it mean for them as a hockey team their defense is still pretty good but they did lose a important piece in theory they could be interested in a noah hanafin or a tan but but like i said looking at the roster that that's it's not a coin flip because there's three different positions they could look at but I I don't know. It, they have the space uh with LTIR, they could make a move work for either of those players fairly easily.
0: I don't want to open Pandora's box, but I th- I think this needs to be floated. So Sam Girard player assistance program, like I don't want to diminish mental health or anything like that, but at the same point if he were to conveniently stay In the program until the playoffs where there's no salary cap I think there's going to be some teams that uh cry foul and again I don't want to make light of that situation but if, if it starts getting towards the end of the season he's and he still feels like he needs he needs help he should continue to get that help absolutely but I think the closer it gets to the playoffs and rumbling slur that he might return I think some teams are going to get really upset with that situation because that's not that's not the intention of the program that's not the intention the salary relief the intention is to have players who need assistance to go into it and that's just not I mean that that's the case in this situation but him staying out until the playoffs to also provide salary relief would not be a good situation good look for anyone involved i think
1: yeah it's in a a way it could be a situation very similar to the teams that have some stars on long-term injured reserve it it would be that same type of i i don't want to necessarily use the same words like kind of cheating the cap system but it could be viewed in, in that same light definitely so colorado's I brought them up for a of or Hannafin, but really I, I guess I'm bringing them up for just about any player because I, I think they could use anyone. Um, I, I would
0: lean towards goalie for them if they were going to add somewhere. So
1: if If I'm them, yes, I agree, but I will also mention that's not always the easiest position to acquire, so they could just be out of luck with that one.
0: I mean, I don't want to jump past past of Hannafin if we got more teams, but kind of foreshadowing the next number six on the list is Jake Allen or Caden Primo. This is again Frank Saravali's uh list. Jake Allen, Caden Primo. Caden Primo is is on a very inexpensive contract. He could make a lot of sense for Colorado's goalie need. But uh if if you got more teams for on defense, I'm I'm happy to stay there for another minute.
1: I think that's I'm gonna say I'm I'm good with who we've talked about. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm good with who we've talked about.
0: So I guess that does move us to goalies. Next is Jake Allen or Caden Primo, I believe a little bit farther down on the list here are we'll some guys together. James Reimer. And then I also think even farther, so Reimer was ten on the list. Okay, um, I was seeing if Mackenzie Blackwood was on here, but he—he's another name. He's not on Saravali's board but he would be another name in this goalie discussion. Probably choose choose your choose your desired, I guess, person, and you could make a case for and against probably all those guys. So Jake Allen, Caden Primo, James Reimer, maybe Mackenzie Br- Blackwood. So Allen and Primo sixth on Saravali's big board. Ten is James Reimer, and then. Blackwood isn't on the trade bait board, but his name's been out there enough as well.
1: Yeah, so I not to. We just talked about this, so this can be a very brief mention of them. Colorado, Gorgiev is not playing too well this season, and uh, I'm I'm blanking on the name so is is
0: out has went back home so it seems like he's likely out for the season yes that hasn't already been announced i forget if it was
1: so so they're i I guess their plan and and net is it's not working really this year um so they're definitely a team that i think could use a goalie i would throw out seattle i don't know if that's the move they'll make but we're kind of seeing the same Grubauer issue as we kind of knew to be the case. So I'd, I'd throw them out there. New Jersey's another team who I, I think they've actually been mentioned in rumors as they're kind of looking to see what's out there, at least as far as goalies, um, which makes sense because I think they were probably doing that in the off season as well. I'll There's some low-hanging fruit. As far as a team who really needs to figure out their goaltending situation, I'll kind of turn it over to you and see if you grab that fruit.
0: I feel like I'm not going to grab the the fruit you're handing me. I'm okay. going to say the Carolina Hurricanes, though. Okay. Potentially with um with Freddie Anderson out, I we don't know for how long, and then Auntie Ranta's never stayed healthy for his career, unfortunately. So they could be someone who... Depending on the injury situation, to one or two other guys, could be looking to add someone. So, I know that wasn't probably the the answer you were looking for, but
1: it wasn't. But I I'd still like the answer of Carolina because so so there we saw in the off season some teams more than usual were stacking up on goalies or at least kind of having three NHL guys. I think certain situations that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I think other ones it does and for Carolina, Anderson, Ranta and Kachukov, that's one of those situations where like it, it does kind of make sense and it's probably paying off for them right now that they did that because Anderson's out, Ranta's been hurt. They and they're kind of in need of another goalie still, but if they didn't have the 3 That'd be an issue. Okay, fine. I'll pick the fruit this time. The Edmonton Oilers are who you're, I assume, talking about. Yeah, that was the fruit.
0: But I I don't know if they're as low-hanging as... as They are, but at the same point, it seems... I don't know if they just want to push this narrative, but every time I hear any insider talk about their goalie situation, they always say, well, Jack Campbell will probably be called back up shortly. They just wanted him to get some games, get his confidence back, and he'll be back. So... I don't know if I fully, like, yes, they should acquire a goalie, but I don't know if I buy that that's what
1: they're going to do, which is why I don't think I went there first. So I I think the, the way I'm reading that situation is the best case scenario is that they can bring Campbell back up and he's good to go because essentially their cap situation is not great. Campbell has been doing well in the past week down in the AHL so maybe he is starting to gain the confidence back and can come back up and help to me those rumors of they might be calling him back up th- I think that is more of a we need to try this because the that working out is far better than I think the way the trade market is going to be for them um, it's not going to be easy to make a move happen. They're going to have to ship someone else out if they need to make a move happen. So so to me, I almost see it as they kind of have to give it one more shot, and then if it doesn't work, they kind of know goalie is the move.
0: I have one more team I want to throw out. I, I think it's more in the re- the Carolina realm, but with how well the LA Kings have been playing – and their goalies still being Cam Talbot and Phoenix Copley. Carrying three goalies is not the optimal thing to do, but if you're the LA Kings and you have arguably the best roster in hockey in front of your goalie, not giving yourself one more insurance policy might be a level of negligence, especially if it gets later in the season and someone's struggling a little bit, banged up a little bit, or... Or just, I mean, just going into the playoffs with just those two guys, I, I strongly consider adding a third if I was them.
1: Well, so Copley hasn't been that great this year. Not a shocker. I think the comfort with him last year was he played a lot and won some games, but I don't necessarily think that was because of him. Talbot's been decent, but I think it's important, and you're – pretty much getting right to this is he isn't someone who should be relied on as the number one especially over a full season going into playoffs to me they are a fairly obvious team of if they're making a move you think it has to be a goalie because of the strength of their roster so I, I definitely like them as a fit for one of these guys they've got some space from LTIR to work with, yeah, I, I would actually, they might be one of my favorites to pick up a goalie because, yeah, the the rest of their roster is so good that that's kind of the clear, if they can patch that up, they they could turn into a favorite pretty quickly.
0: If they aren't already.
1: Yes. Well, so I, I guess that's the big knock on them is their goaltending situation. Yeah.
0: So we we've been we spent a lot of time at the top of the board. So let's let's run through a couple more names. Uh, Adam Henrique's on here. I mean, he's I I don't I don't know any team looking for a veteran kind of option might be interested, but his salary is awfully high. That I don't know how many teams are going to be able to afford him, even with fifty percent retained, five point eight two five. So it it has to be one of the teams with space. Again, maybe this is a Carolina Hurricanes who just want to add some roster insurance type player.
1: That, that could be a situation, too, where it, you see the multi-team trade where he's kind of filtered through a, a third party to get some salary retained. Because that is a higher salary that in this current cap climate. It's going to be very tough to move.
0: Even doing something like that, we're still looking at a little bit under 1.5 million and that's still not opening up a ton, ton in the teams, especially for, I mean, he's, he's still a fine player, but like,
1: well, that that is the thing. Like you you also then factor in the level of the player and do teams care, not care, but do teams see him as enough of an improvement to go through that whole process? Probably needing to use an extra asset to pay a team to retain it on top of what you have to give Anaheim. I, yeah, it could be tough to move him. I think he's still good enough that if, if a situation unfolds where they can get the salary down enough, he could be good for a contender. Could also be a situation near the deadline where someone knows when
0: their higher salary guys is out to the playoffs and they have the long-term yep. injured reserve space. I think that's where, where Henrik makes sense because he, ma- he makes sense from a roster standpoint but just a cap standpoint right now I don't I don't see many fits I think it's going to take an injury for him Sean Walker number eight if I was the Maple Leafs he might be the guy I'm trying to fit in because of that lower salary less less kind of maneuvering needing to be done
1: yeah and I think he has a history actually of decent play he had a bit of an off season, I think after a fairly significant injury if i'm remembering correctly that's a guy that i I think i'd be targeting is someone who is playing good hockey this year so
0: a lot of those teams we talked about for defensemen i think if you're if you're one of the teams that want to bargain shop a little bit more he's probably the best guy to do that with another number nine on the list tony d'angelo i don't see anyone touching him I, I don't know maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but just he his, his success recently has been with one team and only one team. I don't know if another team does that unless they're pure desperate, so maybe Toronto
1: if someone i i would I would say if there's a team desperate for a defenseman, we need to break it down a little more and say if you're desperate for like a a power play quarterback. Then maybe if you're able to hide and shelter him on a third pair, but he does not really know how to play defense. So that's kind of, I don't know. I, I feel like you need to be in a very specific situation for Tony D'Angelo to make sense for you. I, I would almost bet that he just stays in Carolina.
0: I think there's one more name I want to look Talk about real quick Mike Hoffman, number 11 on the list. I think a contender will make a move for him. Someone who he's going to bring power play, like he's going to score power play goals for someone. At early on, I mentioned the Sabres if they wanted to make a move. He's right now the Sabres power play has been struggling. They, yes, they're they're going to get healthy, but if they are looking for another kind of shooting option, veteran again, if they want to put some pieces in the middle, he might be an, an interesting fit for them. Nashville, same thing. I even Pittsburgh, if they're looking for a little bit more firepower, I I think there's teams out there. It's who has the space? Detroit Red Wings as well. I mean, I'm thinking of teams that that wanna to continue to score goals, he'll he'll come in and help do that.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. He's that depth addition for a team needing a little more scoring and he's kind of the guy I don't even know who to compare him to, but I, I could see him going to a contender and just like he could end up getting scratched for the rest of the season and he's kind of just that insurance. Need to plug him in on the power play, great. Somewhere bottom six, fine can provide a little scoring maybe, but not someone who should cost a lot asset-wise. I do want to touch on one name quick further down the list, Jack Roslovich. I feel like on a better team, he might play a a little bit better. His underlying numbers aren't great. They aren't bad. And he's on Columbus. So I, I would wonder... A team really needing a winger and maybe insurance at center, I feel like that could be an interesting fit. Also for a team that, and he is a pending UFA, but he's young enough that of all free agents, I would feel a little more comfortable if you like the fit retaining him on a longer-term contract. So that would be one I'd be curious about. Everything you said,
0: Nashville makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Like get get a look. If you make the playoffs, great if you don't, but really you get a look at him, see if he's someone that could fit into your lineup a little bit longer term, and he's probably not going to come at a massive price, especially if you will take on his full cap hit. So Nashville, to me, would and make a could. lot of sense yeah.
1: there. Absolutely. I, I very much agree with that. And he, Again, he's he's got the versatility that he could kind of – Just any need at forward for any team, you could probably make him fit. I would throw him into the group of names everyone lists for Buffalo. I think there could be a fit there. Carolina, I I think Detroit, he would start to get a little, I don't know. We always mention how they kind of have the same type of players, and that's another one of those situations. But it, he could be a useful player for a lot of teams out there. So he's a little further down the board, but wanted to make sure we touched on him.
0: I think I, I guess second-to-last player on the board real quickly, Anthony Mantha, has not worked out with Washington. Again, I don't think there's going to be a lot of suitors, but this is, where, this is where a team like Nashville, I keep going back to them because they have cap space and they have a need at forward, and they're going to need some guys there longer term. If you're if you can get a look at him for X amount of games, that might be a worthwhile little move for for you to make, especially if you are kind of near the playoffs and like you're not sacrificing too much of a draft position by bringing someone like that. in. if if they do catch a little fire for you, so Mantha with Nashville to me makes a little more sense. I don't see like many of those other contending teams really pulling the trigger on on him.
1: Yeah, price-wise, I I think Nashville fits for a lot of the higher-cost players. thing with Mantha, I want to make sure to mention, it seems like just the fit with the Capitals, it hasn't worked. If I'm looking at his numbers, I kind of want to take the bet, especially that he's a pending UFA, so there's low risk there. He's still decent at least from a underlying metrics point of view so that would be one team like nashville yeah it it just would make a lot of sense for them to see if that's a fit i will say i didn't realize he was 29 years old
0: will be 30 very soon yes i feel like he's he hasn't been in the league that long but oh gosh i guess i guess i'm Uh, old at this point so um so that that's a little bit of a knock like i don't i you don't often i don't know touching 30 year old power forward type wingers is not always the best proposition but buy, he's a guy that you b- might be able to buy really really low on and get some level of production you want
1: to be careful about a possible extension but I, I think to acquire him this season if you're pushing for the playoffs it's it's worth it
0: so we didn't we didn't hit every name but I think as you start to get past like 10 11 there's names that I think we got to see how the season plays out a little bit more before for I'd be really think someone's going to be moving them.
1: Well, it's just one of those things like right now who who how do you predict Cal Clutterbuck? He's number 17. Like there will be teams interested in a player like him, but tough right now you could name pretty much every contender
0: yeah I mean Columbus with Andrew Peakey and Adam Boquist is interesting but at the same point I don't know we've we've been through this ad nauseum in this episode who has the cap space to add at the present and it's very few teams so yeah I mean that could be a, a bigger hockey trade if you will so I don't know I if I was Columbus I wouldn't necessarily be looking to do that anyways so yeah I think it's it's early but I think the top 10 names were were really interesting and fun to talk about
1: yeah i think like you said it's early so there's going to be more names that end up being added to a list like this so um i'd like to see some trades happen zadorov just happened um because it's fun speculation's fun um but it it could still be quiet it's early in the season more names are going to be added situations kind of still need to play out to see who is really buyers and sellers
0: yeah i think i think the next month or so is going to go a long way to to teams starting to maybe shake shake around it once the new year kind of happens so i think i think this is a fun one good timing with with frank Cervalli re releasing that 100 days to the nhl trade deadline but 100 days is still a very very long time so With that, we appreciate you listening to this episode of the Max Stern Podcast. We appreciate you subscribing, following us on all platforms. I'm not going to read them again. They're at the beginning of the episode. And with that, we'll talk to you next time.